0: just say that you know understanding insurance is is an ever evolving place it's like the stock market and you've got to always pay attention to it and you've got to be involved with it and you've got to know what's affecting it in any given situation things change and things shift and and it's one area that I think always has to have somebody that you work with keep you up to date and involved and if you, you don't I think is something that can catch somebody off guard for the long haul. So if you don't think you're working with somebody now that is staying abreast to the market space and knowing it well, I would encourage you to look to a broker that does specialize in the industry.
1: Welcome to the Senior Housing Investors Podcast. If you are an owner, operator, investor, developer, or buyer of senior housing, you've come to the right place. The best way to stay connected with us is to sign up for our weekly newsletter at havenseniorinvestments.com. This podcast doesn't exist without you our community. Thank you for listening and reach out to us anytime. Welcome back, everyone. Today, John Haber is having a conversation with Richard Dom from USI Insurance Services. Whether you're looking to acquire a property or you already own some, this is a must listen podcast. Listen in as Richard explains the insurance teeter totter and what you should be considering as a senior housing investor. John? Thanks, Kelsey. Today is very exciting. Um, I, some people think it's exciting, but I think it's pretty exciting. I'm uh, going to be speaking with Richard Dom regarding the insurance marketplace as it relates to the senior housing and senior living marketplaces. Richard has over 20 years of experience in property and casualty insurance. In that time, he's built a national client base. Richard enjoys working with senior executives, owners, and the CEOs, CFOs, risk managers who understand the importance of managing risk as their companies grow. These executives are long-term relationship-oriented and have a strong commitment to their customers and employees for dedicated service and support. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. What do you do outside of the day-to-day insurance job that you hold as senior VP at uh, USI?
0: Outside of it, uh, my wife and I, uh, local, based in the Tampa Bay market, we have twin three-and-a-half-year-olds, so two boys that keep us pretty much on our toes outside of uh, the insurance world. Just enjoying spending time with them and the family, enjoying Florida good weather when there's
1: no hurricanes. <laughs> That's right. You're, Florida's going. We just went through one of those, right?
0: So. Yeah, and, and I've already got people emailing me saying there's another, you know, one or two out there for for another week or two. You know, so uh, it's not for faint of heart, but it's the world we live in, and and we're kind of used to it. I, I like it a little bit better, being able to see them. Coming versus, you know, a California earthquake, you know, you don't really know what you're getting, but I think Florida's done overall a good job of preparing. And I think people who've lived here long enough know and understand, you know, the risk and it's not always perfect, but uh, I think people overall try to make every effort to be prepared for, you know, what's coming.
1: Well, it's interesting is that in this senior housing space, so many of our seniors move to those warmer climates that tend to have the higher risk factors associated with wildfires and hurricanes and storm-related issues. But they are great places to live in. And and as you and I spoke before, uh, you really enjoy living down there in Florida. So so tell us, uh, as we go into you and I speaking, What is the number one issue currently as it relates to insurance in the senior housing space?
0: Well, right now, property insurance is the number one factor driving the bottom line for, I would say, all of our senior housing folks. In years past, it was general liability, but as the teeter-totter swings and the market shifts, property as a whole, we've seen in the last five years become really the number one driver. And it's really been something that stems from developing over time. And we see since 2017 coming forward that we've had more property claims countrywide as a whole than we've ever seen in, in in our history. And you know, some folks will say, well, you know, gee, property never bothered us. Like we've we've never had a claim. You know, why is our insurance you know going up 30% or why is it doubling? What can we do to change that? And some of the answers are, you know, there are some things that that can be, you know, helpful. And then some things that are just just unfortunately, they're caught in the way of like the climate change of everything. But it, it's something that just everybody is being affected on because of of the global market. And, you know, since 2017, we'd averaged 20 billion dollars a year in claims. And so you get that in a five year run. But then you throw in Hurricane Ian, who then puts out a, you know, 70 to 100 billion dollar You know damage and now you've built up one year that looks like a five-year historical all of a sudden altogether and with that it really dug into the coffers of reinsurers and you know everybody says well go to london or go to bermuda or go offshore to see if we can find other places but the reality is is those markets are the ones that are really supporting you know globally the insurance carriers that are placing it so the insurance companies will sell you insurance but they buy insurance for reinsurance purposes, to shore up their bottom line, so there there is a catastrophic event, then, you know, they have a backstop as well. And some take on higher risk than others. But the bottom line is, is that when Ian hit, we were already at a point that was bad. And and when adding Ian to the equation really drove, you know, the knife in the coffin, you know, from a cost basis. And we, we were already seeing it. We were already expecting it, but not to the degree that now that we have seen it, And I believe it's going to take another 12 to 18 months before we really start to see that reversing again, pending, obviously, hopefully, knock on wood, we have no more hurricanes and events that I say globally, which is, you know, you look at freezes, like the freezes in Texas were, you know, an outlier for the marketplace. So you, you look at those, and then you look at the wildfires in Texas, and you look at some of the... Tornado Alley, you know, where those events have laid. And, you know, we only see local news. So we don't ever really pay attention so much to what's necessarily happening countrywide. But from an insurance perspective, we're always looking geographically countrywide to see what's forming, what's hitting, and how much these things are impacting other areas. So a lot of these companies, you think about it, if there was a 100 insurance companies writing property insurance, and all of a sudden after EON, that list shrank to, let's just say, 60 of them now. So the, all those that were writing they those people still needed insurance. So now they're going to the 60 that are left. And I'm and I'm summarizing this to make it, you know, simplified. But now those 60 are picking up the rest of the market for the other 40 that no longer wrote in the market space. So now they have to make sure that their ability to take on that risk is sustainable. And how much money do they have to have to take on to be able to make sure that if they are claims that they can afford to pay out those claims in their entirety as well. And so that's part of that basis of why we're seeing, you know, more and more in the increased costs, because these carriers that had maybe 25% of the market now are carrying anywhere from 35 to 40% of what they had, you know, from before. And, you know, we think, well, I never had a claim. I mean, I never had a claim on my home, and yet my personal insurance keeps going through the roof. And I think, well, you know, that stinks. You know, so clients look at it and they say, well, can we take a higher deductible? Can they look at mitigating things that they can use? Maybe they've got hurricane, we call it, say, hurricane shutters, but maybe they have things that can be impactful to the business. So hurricane uh, impact windows, they have generators, You know, they have evacuation plans. What do they do to shore up making sure that their property is in a better position for an underwriter to look at it? So we try to take all those things into effect and make sure that any story that we can tell the underwriters, you know, why they're a better risk, then, then ultimately that's meaningful. But some of it, we just, you know, we can't outrun it all. And that's what's being seen right now. And that's the heartburn that we're all, you know, we're all getting.
1: What are some of those states that have been impacted the most? I mean, Florida is one, I'm sure. But can you name the top five, six states that are having larger increases to their rates? Sure. So
0: we call anywhere within a 50-mile radius to the coast a Tier 1. We do it by zones. But I would say anything that's a 50-mile radius to the coast, from Florida through Louisiana all the way over to Texas— Is definitely an impacted geography, and then I would say carrying that forward, you know, hurricanes are big, and these events are huge, and so people say, well, you know, we're 20 miles to the coast, but the last time I checked, you know, you look at these hurricanes, and they're anywhere from 200 to 400 miles wide. I mean, they're big, so we see these events carrying in, and when you get out of the Tier One, Tier Two territories, a lot of the insurance companies are still saying. Well, gee, they they affect us. So we don't want to write in these areas anymore. A lot of these carriers, like the tier one carriers, don't want to write in the secondary carriers anymore. So you get like South Carolina, you get North Carolina, you get parts of Georgia, you know, you get even up into, we've seen Nashville, we've seen, you know, Tennessee areas where they've been affected. I think what folks don't really realize is that All these insurance companies are kind of the same across the country. They all write in different areas, but they all will generate, you know, uh, revenue dollars by the geography and what they're willing to write in each of those areas. So then if they pull out of one area, it has an offset to another where maybe one carrier was writing 12 cents per hundred dollars of value in Idaho. You know, now because of their global risk factor is maybe not writing it under 25 cents. So you say, well, I'm never going to have a claim in Idaho, but the going rate across the board might, as a conglomerate, have more affected that than than less. So you might have to take a little more here to get a little bit more over there. And then we have to work on behind the scenes as a broker to blend the rates so we can make still the state rate maybe a little bit more competitive. And those that are in the areas that are a little worse have a little bit more of the responsibility of the claims activity. But I would definitely say, you know, coastline. It's definitely seeing that. You're seeing definitely some California. You've always had like California quake in that territory. But Florida, Georgia, Texas, Louisiana, South Carolina, and even going up a little bit more on the coast, you know, is definitely having an impact of that. But insurance across the board, countrywide is having, uh, you know, an effect.
1: Something that has been said to me is that owners and operators can do alternative risk financing structures. Are you familiar with those?
0: Well, I mean, they obviously can look to self-insure more of, you know, what they're taking on. And it also depends. I mean, some groups have much larger pools. So you get some of the the REITs that have, you know, hundreds of millions in value in there. And that can help some of we've seen groups, you know, pull resources and property programs together and kind of consolidate, you know, what they have to help offset. And some of the rate increases But again, taking higher deductibles, you know, in that capacity, taking larger fire deductibles, it just kind of depends on the geography of what we're talking about in in their exposure base. As far as any type of alternative plans, it really just goes back to the size and scope of of those that are placing the insurance. If we're talking a one-off building in Florida, that's much more difficult know, subject to have than talking about somebody that is maybe based out of Chicago that has 200 properties. So how that's leveraged can be different.
1: Okay. And so as you know, Haven Senior Investments is a consulting advisory firm along with our sister company that's in the brokerage business. And so we are dealing with buyers and sellers all day long. And one of the areas that's most important in that process is the due diligence on the insurance side, both for those who currently own and are having to come up to their policy timeline and the insurance carriers are repricing to those who are buying facilities and need to do due diligence. So can you talk more to our audience about that due diligence that both the buyer and seller need to go through?
0: Sure. So whenever a client comes to us, you know, depending on their pace of what they're buying, we have some that are buying things and selling all the time. So we, we try to ask them in the sense of when their expectation is on a deal. So do they there 70% chance it's going to happen? Are there 100% chance? Usually there's a PSA agreement that they'll sign and they'll have a due diligence period and then when their money will go hard we so often have clients that come to us and they're like, nope, our money's already gone hard. We just need to take care of and and deal with insurance. Our recommendation is, is before your money goes hard, give yourself at least a 30 to 45 day window to explore insurance. If you can do it longer further out there, that's great. But the, the reality is, is that starting off first and foremost, knowing the history of the properties that you're looking at, which is really claims activity, whether it's liability or it's, property damage, what's been on those properties that would be, you know, affecting, you know, the new deal.
1: Okay. So the next question I would have, and I'm very curious about is, uh, where are the biggest surprises that buyers encounter when they're acquiring a property and they go for quotes on insurance?
0: So I I would say the biggest surprise is doing the due diligence and the homework is getting the loss runs, getting the information and depending on, you know, who they're buying from, you know, a lot of these senior living groups out there, they're very large groups and they have multiples and multiples of properties and they're unloading some of their properties and a smaller operator will buy. And they're looking at the historical expenses that the larger operator would have and trying to compare that in their due diligence, you know, to their bottom line, what their expenses are going to be. And too often we see that they just get caught, you know, off guard where their insurance might be spending $100,000 and the best deal that they can find that their broker's getting them is $250,000. And all of a sudden that, you know, might change the parameters of the deal. And so, you know, the valuation of what they were thinking on the building, adding another $100,000, 150000 expense obviously makes a big impact and so what we encourage everybody to do is not only you know get a copy of you know the license for us so we can see you know how many beds it is we know where the geography of it is because also in the litigiousness of it there is a legal climate that does swing more favorable from one side or the other sometimes a deal is a great deal no matter where it is but you have to take into account what the offsets will be. So if you're looking at buying a senior living facility in Miami, you know, you're looking at potentially, you know, $2,000 a bed. If you're looking at one in Orlando or maybe Tallahassee, you might be looking at eight dollars or $900 a bed to, you know, $700 a bed. You know, if you're looking at the Tallahassee area, you know, if you're talking about South Carolina or you're talking about LJ, Georgia, all those change the dynamics of that. And so having experience with knowing, you know, kind of what those parameters look like and then getting the loss runs. So knowing the historically what kind of appetite for claims that the seller, you know, had and, uh, you know, if they have no claims, that's fantastic. It means that you can move forward with an underwriter feels a little better to have a clear conscience to offer you the most you know, aggressive terms. But let's just say you have a client that, you know, opportunity that you're buying, building at, and you see that they have four to six hundred thousand dollars worth the claims on there. And that's not in one year. So let's just say it's not two claims and it's a snapshot you know, in time of just one, one or two claims in a given year. But it's over Five years, they have these and every year has something. Well, when you buy these facilities, you're also buying the residents that are there and you're buying the historical effect. And so even though a owner inherit the, the prior residences and they say, well, the owner of the prior building goes away, the new owner isn't responsible for that. The insurance companies still feel that there's a stigma about the property and where it came from, and it's going to take time to turn that over. And you're still going to have residents in there that ultimately may or may not have something in the pipeline that they feel could potentially be a claim that will come on to them that won't escape the prior history. So they look at that and they take that into account. And then they also look at kind of the global what that cost would have been if they were the insurance company. So if they're averaging, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, insurance companies want a right to be profitable. So, you know, whether it's a 50 percent profitability or 70 percent profitability, whatever the number it is that they're there, they're going to factor that in to get you a pricing. And our job then is to see that. So that way we can walk it backwards and say, well, no, this isn't going to happen on our dime. We've come in, we've done full assessments on all the residences. We've suggested anybody that was not in the right acuity level would be moved out prior to you know, the changeover. You know, we would make sure to get a game plan for pro, you know, being proactive and how to handle that. But we see time and time again where a group that that we would recognize as a very large group in the industry would have anywhere from 200 to 500 units countrywide that has a very large deductible, say, 250,000 or even self-insurers. And then they're pricing their insurance on multiple of their expense, but not necessarily what the industry is rating it on because it's not the same comparison. So. That then tends to really does. It catches a lot of our clients off guard. So the first thing my clients tend to do is pick up the phone or send us a note and say, hey, we're looking at this property. Can you do a review of it? Can you tell us anything about it? We're getting the loss runs. We've been told we've got a little bit here when we do get the loss runs, you know, seeing how that compares and then taking that to some underwriters prematurely to get a benchmark of comparison or if we have other properties geographically nearby we can do a benchmark as well to what we're seeing in the comparison of cost
1: it explains a lot and and one of one of the areas we want to make sure of is that the buyer does mitigate that surprise let's just put it that way and so what other insurance products do you bring to the senior housing space or what other insurance products do you believe that owners and operators should hold to mitigate the risks associated with business?
0: Obviously, definitely general liability, professional liability. I mean, if you're property insurance, you know, your risk for appetite, whether you purchase an umbrella or not, is at the discretion, you know, of the operator or, you know, even the lender. I would say, Hired and non-owned auto and auto insurance is important to have. Too often where we see auto insurance, but no hired and non-owned auto, which is a small piece, but it's potentially a little gap. We definitely see, you know, cyber liability, employment practices, even some directors and officers or errors and omissions, you know, coming through. It all depends on the structure of the operations. Most of the time we see two or three different types of setup. We see an owner operator, we see an owner that has a operator for them, like a lessor, or we see an operator that has a a manager involved. And depending on how the relationships come together is important to be protecting ultimately is the property owner versus the operating entity or the manager. Sometimes they can all be together and sometimes they're separated. And time and time again, we just try to make sure that they all agree with each other so that at the time of a loss, we don't find any one of them without coverage.
1: Uh, thank you for that. Uh appreciate that, Richard. So let's get into describing who your company is and why someone should reach out to you for insurance coverage. Uh, tell us a little bit about USI.
0: Thank you very much. So USI is a privately held, we're the pr- largest privately held insurance brokerage firm in the country. We are on the balance sheet of KKR, but we've been in the business for over you know, 20 plus years I say, you know, depending on the obviously mergers and acquisitions of everything, anywhere from the fifth to seventh largest, you know, in the world in the ranking, over 10,000 employees. But I would say the importance of what we do in the senior living space is that we have and represent over 35,000 beds for me personally, and throughout USI, over 300,000 beds countrywide. And... We know the industry better than most. We have access to every market that is out there. And, you know, we're big on the relationships of connecting with our clients and helping them through, you know, the easy times, the difficult times, and and really just giving them the confidence and knowing that they're in the right place with where they're going. There are other good brokers out there, but in the scope of it, there are the brokers that this is what they do. And then there are the brokers that, you know, they'll write a facility or the right, something to do with senior living related, but not necessarily have a specialty in the area. And I find that if you're going to do business with senior living, you should do it with somebody that knows the industry and has a historical presence in the industry. It definitely helps. And it also understands the language you know, of the policies that you're writing, because the language of the policies are, are, are a little bit of difference and nuance than other policies that are out there. They're not the traditional brick and mortar policies where you're slip, trip and falls, or you're just, you know, a tenant and a landlord. And so I find that from time to time, we do see that brokers just don't have that experience that's, that's needed.
1: I appreciate that. And how would individuals that want to reach out to you, how do they get a hold of you? You know, they can reach out to me via
0: my uh, email address. I think I have it on LinkedIn. My phone number's on there as well. I'm pretty available anytime, and but it's pretty simple to get a hold of me for the most part.
1: All right. Well, we appreciate the time today. Uh, i learned quite a bit above and beyond what I knew. Uh, is there anything else that uh, we haven't asked you that you would want to address to our listening audience?
0: I would just say that, you know, understanding insurance is, is an ever evolving place. It's like the stock market and you've got to always pay attention to it and you've got to be involved with it and you've got to know what's affecting it. And I think that we do a great job of that. But in any given situation, things change and things shift. And and it's one area that I think always has to have somebody that you work with keep you up to date and involved. And if you, you don't, I think it's something that can catch somebody off guard for the long haul. So if you don't think you're working with somebody now that is staying abreast to the market space and knowing it well, I would encourage you to look to a broker that does specialize in the industry.
1: And my understanding is you're one of the best. So thank you for being on the show today and have a great end of the summer. And we appreciate what you do for the industry. Thank you, Richard. Thank you.